I'm Kate Northrup. And I'm Mike Watts. And we're partners in life, love, and business. Welcome to the Kate and Mike Show, where we share insights and interviews on entrepreneurship, relationships, parenting, self-actualization, and making a life, not just a living. Welcome to the Kate and Mike Show. Hello, this is Kate. And this is Mike. Welcome back. If this is not your first time listening, welcome. If it is, we're thrilled you're here as part of the pod squad. We are recording in a new location, which feels kind of fun and exciting. We are recording in our bedroom because we have some construction going on in the basement. And so this is the quietest option, even though my sister is downstairs with our two-year-old. So who knows how much background noise we'll have, but... Yeah, Penelope started back at school this week. Yes, her pre-K opened. They've only got four kids. Out of 12? So Is it 12 or Four 10? out of 12 came back. Yeah. Yep. So, you know, they've got their protocols of checking them and questions and, and whatever, but she's thrilled to be back with her friends and thrilled to be back doing, you know, organized activities. She's just one of those kids who really thrives in the school environment. And so that's been amazing. Yeah. It has been. Yes. It's been amazing. So And hard. And hard. Yeah. I mean, I think one of the things that we've, we're still in very active conversation about is what are we taking from this experience? What do we want to take with us moving forward? And what do we want to not go back to? And I gave the assignment to my, actually, I'm not going to say because never mind. <laughs> I don't want it to be because I'm going to give the same assignment to somebody else. And if they listen, I don't want it to be a spoiler alert. So holding off on that, but maybe we'll talk about it in a future episode. But one of the things we talked about is like the morning, kind of the morning hustle and the morning rush that that has been a nice thing not to have. But at the same time, like if we want to have a day free, you know, to work or do whatever we want to do, there sort of is that morning bustle. So I'm not exactly sure how to not have it. Yeah. If we have what we want, which is some sort of childcare situation, <laughs> it could be that like childcare all becomes at our house and we're the ones leaving. But there's still that bustle of like, okay, getting ourselves ready to get out the door. Yeah. So. I mean, it's just a convert. It's a, it's just, we're deciding how we want to handle it. But I feel like the way approaching i don't know for some reason taking penelope back to school now plus it's warmer out so we can ride our bikes there we don't have to get them in a car and a winter coat and winter yeah. boots and her little school is literally adjacent to our neighborhood so yeah it's really and we can even Very walk convenient. her through the woods to school which is really sweet sometimes yeah she likes it and we her and i have some fun we just have fun conversations on the way to school what She's, did you talk she, about today today she goes you know she really pays attention to what people are doing she's very yes. observ observant is that she'd the be great in the cia <laughs> yeah she she would be great in the cia but then not great because then she wants to tell you about everything that's because she's four and a half <laughs> and her frontal lobe hasn't totally developed I, i'm aware yeah yeah plus she just likes talking um i mean let's <laughs> let's be honest she loves to talk <laughs> She was just commenting on the, these women were running in front of us wearing the same clothes. They had white shirts and orange sh shorts. And she's like, they were really far ahead of us. She goes, 
let's catch up to them. And I said, okay. She goes, let's go into fast mode. And I was like, okay. She goes, okay, switching into fast mode, go. And then we just like have to pedal really quickly. And then I, you know, I have gears. She doesn't have gears. She's single speed bike. And so I can just, I'm just shifting up in my gears to go faster, to do less work. And she gets behind me and she stops. She's like slowing down and she's like, I'm not in fast mode anymore. And I was like, okay. She goes, well, they're going left. We need to go, you know, we're going the other way so we can just let them go. I was like, great. But yeah, then she was riding next to me and she's like, let's, let's ride with our eyes closed. (laughs) So she closes her eyes. She literally closes her eyes while she's riding. The next thing I know, she's three inches from me and we're going 10 miles an hour probably on our bikes. And I was like, Penelope, you cannot do this if somebody's next to you because, you know. I think in general, riding your bike with your eyes closed is not a good idea. No, not, no, not really. With someone or without someone next to you. I think that's just, we should be like, nope. She's like, okay, so I'll ride with my eyes closed when I'm not with you. And I was like, no, I was like, (laughs) no, no. I was like, you just have to get really good at riding with your eyes open first. And then you can work on riding your eyes closed. But yeah, it's it's just like it's fun. It's exciting. So it's very funny. Yeah. All right. Are we ready to I think so. Is yeah. There, is there anything else that's been percolating for you about what you don't want to go back to? Actually, this is a very good segue into today's right conversation. I mean, I'm kind of still working on it right now because it's just like the the I don't know. I guess this has been my lesson for the year thus far. It's just the hustle of it's like having the relaxation in life to do nothing. You know, like I woke up this morning and I'm pretty worn out, honestly. Like, you know, it just leading up the past two weeks and there was a lot of moving activities that have happened and a lot of change. So, you know, folks, we're recording. We started recording this before 8 a.m. So when Mike says like he woke up this morning and now he's really worn out, it's like not hasn't you know, we're still in the morning, but you get up really early. Yeah. I was up at four fifteen this morning. Mm-hmm. So yeah, but it just, I don't know. I woke up. It's one of those days I woke up and I'm just like, okay, I could like go back to bed right now. You know, it's so that's kind of how I feel. And I feel like it's just the hangover effect from the past couple of weeks, just the intensity of what was happening at home, et cetera. And I would say just kind of listening to myself a little bit better would be nice moving forward too. So to kind of let that go in the past where it's like, oh, just take a breather here and there. Yeah. So, I mean, that's kind of very, it's somewhat vague. That was vague. But it's vague. I definitely am not sure what you mean, but. So it's the, what we're talking about today, it's like getting on the, the rat race of doing more and feeling like I have to continually do more. And I've hearing, you know, it's like people that are homeschooling their kids, older kids than we do, you know, it's like, oh, you got to do more and then you got to do more homework. And then it's like, you got to be on Zoom and then you got to figure this out. And then you're supposed to go outside and play. And then, you know, and so as adults, I had a conversation with somebody yesterday that coaches very high achievers in corporate America. And they feel busier than they've ever felt sitting at home. They don't have to go to work. Like there's no transition. So they feel like they're always on yes. um, by being at home They're they, because their bosses know they don't have to go to soccer practice. They don't have to go. There's no outlet for escape in a way. And in many, you know, I know in many States here in the United States or they like shut parks down. They shut some parks down here. You can't park in the parking lots. 
you know, at the parks and stuff like this. So you got to either, you got to walk there, you got to park down the street and walk back to the park. You got to figure out now they're starting to open up, but you know, just to be outside and get in nature. So healing for us and that all this stuff's shut down. So you're, you just have to remain inside. Right. And so for me, it's just paying attention to when I fall into that kind of do more trap, I guess you could say. And that's what I would like to leave that behind. I love that. Yeah. Because we've done that with travel. We've done that with yeah. business. That, I mean, that's what our episode's really about today. Yeah. I, uh, in that vein, I do not miss travel, which is really interesting. Yeah, me too. As someone who travels a lot, I'm just not missing it. And I think we'll get started on the episode because yeah, let's go. part of what... These will all tie together. These will all tie together. So, we have five things, five key ways to make running your business easier and still get amazing results and likely get better results than when you're working harder. This has been the weirdest thing I will say is that I understand that I wrote about a book about, you know, it's called Do Less. I also understand that I talk all the time about doing less to achieve more, doing less to have more like, and I believe in that, but still, I'm still recovering from the cultural programming of you have to work harder. Like you have to, there has to be a certain amount of grind in order to earn your success. And so in April, we lost two key team members. They're fine but i mean they went on to do other things they're um, still alive that's what yeah that sounded mm-hmm. yeah and we had no child care so mike and i were working you know i felt like i was working half the amount as before and we were down to a skeleton crew with our team and it was pretty remarkable because in april and now we're you know closer to the end of may revenue has been great And it's sort of, again, it's like one more example of, wow, you really can do less and get better results and perhaps better results than if you were doing more. And I just find over and over and over again, the more focused we are, the more streamlined we are, the fewer things we do, then we do better at the things we're doing and we get better results. And it's just... I don't know. It's just like, I understand that I teach this stuff, but I'm still just in awe. Yeah. I feel like when it comes to, let's just stay on money for a second with the, from a business perspective, you know, cause we talked this time last, I mean, this time a year ago was a much different scenario. Right. And so it was about a year ago. It was last March, right? We started working with Amber Duggar on profit first and I would say money and revenue in the business has always been like a stress point in a way. We've been able to make money, but we've also spent money. And there's always like, do we have enough to pay payroll? Are we even going to be able to pay our mortgage? This, you know, it's like. These, I don't think we've really been in that. No, I mean, because we were paying ourselves, but like paying our people, paying our employees more so. We were in that. That's why we ended up with lines of credit. That's true. Yeah. <laughs> so it was, you know, these conversations. And since we started implementing Profit First a year ago, there's been some concern about like income or business and stuff, but nothing. It's like one of those things that I would say for the most part, we're not going to have to be worried about or or stressed about in a way because we've put the structure in place for that too. Because we'll catch things much earlier 
like let's say our revenue is dipping big time or something's going on, we're going to notice it much faster than previously. And having Profit First implementing YNAB and following the structure. Which that, is youneedabudget.com. Yeah, youneedabudget.com and following that structure that Amber, that was in the book Profit First, but Amber put it together for us. We don't have to wait for our P&Ls to come out. You yeah, know, no, like, we know every single day almost, yeah. at least every Friday, exactly what's happening with our business finances and our yes. personal so it makes it really easy to make those micro changes that need to be made as opposed to what happened before, which is we wouldn't really realize we had a problem until sort of three months too late. Yeah. And now we're ahead of time. So that would be a great podcast episode for yes. later on down the line. I talk about it a lot in our Money Love course, weekly Facebook, uh, monthly Facebook Live. So if you're a Money Love course student, I do a Facebook Live the first Tuesday, no, the first Monday of every month in the Facebook group and I do a Q&A. It's really fun. If you're not a Money Love course student, you can be one and you can head over to themoneylovecourse.com. And um, there's actually a masterclass that's a bonus as part of the Money Love course with Amber Duggar talking about how to use Profit First, how to use YNAB and our testimonial for her program and all and everything we did with her is that we increased our profit by 400% yeah. compared to the previous year. And we had only increased our revenue by 10%. Right. So if you do the math there, it's freaking remarkable. Yeah. <laughs> okay. That was a side note on money, an important one, but we'll talk about it another time. But today we're going to talk about these five ways to make running your business easier. And I guess like we had five ways. I'm going to say six the sixth one, or possibly the first one, is to get your finances in order. First of all, get yourself emotionally squared away around money. That's first and foremost. My book, Money, A Love Story, will help you with that and the money love course. But also then get yourself logistically squared away with money. So both of those go hand in hand. They can happen simultaneously, but don't try to do the logistical work without doing the emotional work because it won't stick. Okay, so that was like your bonus one. But the next one is body first, business second. So many of you have heard me say this. I talked about it in Do Less and we talk about it in Origin, our membership. We just people love this one because it's really simple to remember and it really works. So most of us have been operating as though our body doesn't matter and we get to take care of ourselves after we've gotten our to-do list done or after we've made a certain amount of money or after we've reached some sort of achievement, then we can take a nap, move our body, go out in nature, you know, drink water, whatever, right? But my premise and what I've been practicing since 2016 is body first, business second, which means that the needs of your body come first before everything because we all live in a body. And our bodies are responsible for the biochemical reactions that create our mental focus. Our whole hormonal system is all intricately linked with our ability to show up and be creative and be a strategic thinker and be innovative and be heart centered and connect with people and have enough energy to even do the things that we want to do in our business. And so if we are running our business at the expense of our body, eventually we will be sick and our business will crash. But if we put our body first, not only do we have amazing health, but actually our 
putting the body first infuses your whole business with a level of energy and focus and magnetism and creativity that you do not have access to when your body is second or third or fourth or fifth or sixth. And so there's so many different layers to body first, business second. And I think we did another podcast episode about it, actually, like how to do that and what that actually means. So we can link that up in the show notes. But running your business is so much easier if you are tending to your body because you're not fighting with yourself to stay focused. You're not fighting with yourself to stay passionate. You're not fighting with yourself to get the work done. You actually can work with your body as opposed to against your body. And this has to do with tracking your cycle and aligning your tasks with your cycle. It has to do with certainly movement, getting excellent sleep. I mean, there's so many different layers here. And one of the huge ones for me of late has been learning to calm my nervous system. And as I get better and better, and as I heal my nervous system and get into, I re-regulate myself and get better and better at regulating myself, I am so much better able to see with clarity what needs to happen in the business and what doesn't need to happen. And I don't get caught in these addictive loops of overwork or overwhelm or over-functioning in the same way that I used to. And that's where I really have been realizing that for me and many others, overworking and productivity can be a trauma response. And our nervous system is hooked into an addictive pattern of working because working and doing feels like it's keeping us safe. But when we learn to signal safety in our nervous system in a way that's not related to checking items off a to-do list or being engaged with our business or being engaged with our work, it's really revolutionary because then the work can come from this place of wholeness as opposed to from a place of lack. And I've been talking to my incubator and mastermind about, are we running our businesses with the fuel of proving or are we running our businesses with the fuel of passion? And for me, I find when I am in a fight, flight, or freeze response loop in my nervous system, then I am running on the fuel of proving. But if I am in a calm, spacious, wholeness place in my nervous system, if I'm in parasympathetic, rest and restore, then the choices that I'm making are from a place of passion. And I know that I'm aligned with my intuition and my higher, my inner guidance. And like, I just things are so much easier because I'm not trying to push a boulder up a hill. That's how I think about body first business second these days. And that one is just like the most important one. And it's become even more so during this odd time that we're in the stay at home time. And I've been doing this workout called the class every day. And it's really helping me just put my body first and my business second. It's been really powerful. But here's the thing, like when you put your body first and your business second, both of them thrive versus when you put your business first and your body second, eventually both of them will collapse in some way or another. I mean, I think we're seeing that on a global scale. I guess you're right. Do you want to say more about that? Well, that's what's happening. I mean, like we have put profit first before people 
and the this like i mean capitalism has its benefits right it's having a company that's not running great and then it fails or a competitor comes in right we were talking about this this morning where joe rogan got a hundred million dollar deal to go to spotify and if you don't know who joe rogan is which i never would have unless i was married to mike because apparently I live on sort of under some kind of rock. Not really. <laughs> Who is I mean, he? you got to have a certain, he's a certain audience. But he was the host of Fear Factor back when we were like in high school or middle school or something. Do you, do you ever never watch Fear Factor where they no. used to eat like Ew. all these weird things? No. So he was the host of Fear Factor, but then he's also a comedian. Like, he's know, an MMA. Um, friends. <laughs> a ne- friends, yeah. It's similar to that. <laughs> <laughs> He's an MMA announcer. He's a comedian. He started a podcast 11 years ago, kind of right when podcasting hit the f- groundwork and then it's exploded. He gets 150 million downloads a month. 150 million downloads a month. That means he gets like 1.3 billion downloads a year. Just for comparison's sake, just to put that in perspective, we get about 35,000 downloads a month, which is amazing. Amazing super thrill right. for us. <laughs> like, like 150 million downloads million yeah but it's also such a great example this is a total side note that like even if you're if you're doing that well there's still gonna be a lot of people who don't know who you are right so what's cool though is like when we had glennon on here Bernays podcast was number one. So Joe's podcast is usually like in the top five of podcast episodes like all podcasts. all podcasts so it's usually right there in the top five. I mean, he has a he has one episode that comes out and like hits the number one ranking like immediately, right? He's got probably millions and millions of downloads as soon as a new episode launches. So then he also puts his episodes on YouTube because he live streams them. So what's different is Kate and I are recording it. He started it where he live streams the episodes on YouTube every day. Or not every day, but when he goes live with somebody, he's live streaming. His setup is a mess. It's and he really needs like a set design, like a stylist yeah. for the set. But guess I what? Looked, it's his set, I not yours. I looked at that. I watched one of them, like part of one of them. Oh, it was with uh, Trevor Noah. And I was like, oh my God, the clutter. There's like empty Coke cans and like styrofoam coffee cups and piles of paper and some like cheesy ass red velvet tablecloth situation. I was just like, wow. But also great example that that's not a value of his right. and it has not affected his performance. No. Great example of do less. He just literally turns on the camera and it's like, this is literally what it looks like. Yeah. And I find it horrifying, but I'm obviously not his ideal customer avatar. So, I mean, if he's an MMA announcer, goes to an MMA like fight with 20,000 people there, there's potentially 20,000 customers right there that's listening to him like talk about a fight. And then so anyway, so he has a wide range of an audience. How did we even get on this? Anyway, so basically (laughs) body first, business second. So who is Joe Rogan? So Joe Rogan is pretty much the biggest podcaster that's on the planet. And he just signed a hundred million dollar deal approximately like we the the date of just the articles don't share the details but it's more than a hundred million dollars to go exclusively with spotify so and it's coming off he's pulling everything off any other podcast apps that's there anything from youtube or google so he's not making any more ad revenue from there they're going to lose tremendous amount of ad sources coming in from joe rogan's podcast so I was like, okay, so this is a company that's taking a content creator that's pitching ideas that does not want to be censored 
because a lot of these, you know, YouTube censoring all of these things, Google Facebook, censoring. Instagram, Google censoring all this stuff, right? And they are investing into somebody that's creating good, good content. And then in they, you think $100 million is a lot. Well, their stock price went up. It basically, their market valuation increased by $5 billion in 24-hour period just by the announcement of Joe Rogan coming over to their platform, which is kind of crazy, which is made up money, right? The stock market increases. You get $5 All billion. money is made up. Right. It's all made up. So anyway, back to what I originally said, where it's like, that's where we are at the world today. I thought it was fascinating because Joe is a very... He has a lot of great ideas, but he's also a straight white man and has like a lot of his is the bravado, I guess you could say, this masculine testosterone piece of what a man is supposed to be, quote unquote. It's like that's who he is. And he grew to be number one. And then Brene Brown launches her podcast in March, takes over that number one spot and is still up there. Her episode drops. She's up in the top rankings right now. Glennon Doyle's book, you know, we talked about this when Glennon Doyle was on the episode. But like her book's been number one, New York Times. I think it was like five weeks, six weeks in a row. I don't know if it still is, but it's selling like crazy, right? It's diving into this other side. Brene Brown is like sports, but that's probably and likes to investigate things. That's probably the similarities between her and her and Joe, right? And I'm sure there's other things. But anyway, it's the audiences are completely different, right? But what happens in business and how we ended up in the place that we're at today, because we're watching our medical system is falling apart which it has been for years. Our financial system is imploding from the banks are remaining strong, but economically businesses closing, all this stuff that's taking place. We're bailing out big banks. Nobody can trust a politician for the life of themselves because whether you're a Republican or Democrat, it's all corrupt no matter what, like the big funding that's happening. And it's like moral decisions are not morally right decisions are just like being looked over and passed over for funding and money and all this stuff so we're seeing all this happen in front of us now it's like you could look at the big scope but that's not the purpose of the episode like what do we do about that we can talk about that future but i think just the awareness of what's taking place is very important i feel like we can either if we don't change as our best friend zach bush now you know that we talk about we don't know him we don't know so as he he explains if we don't make these decisions to change because like you watch things about how the chemical companies have been dumping chemicals in the waters and all this stuff and getting away with it and then are fined like a couple bucks, right? Like the financial crisis happened in 2008 and all those people kept their jobs. Like the CEO of these companies ran these companies into the ground. They made really bad decisions. They all kept their jobs, right? So nobody went to jail. Nobody paid for anything. Who paid for it was regular people on the street, right? That had mortgage industry. I just learned this week, like, the government got involved in student loans and student loans became this giant entity that took place with Sally Mae interest rates of six, seven, eight percent. So it's taxing the crap out of kids and we're going down this rap. So it's all it has. Not, it's not about betterment for humanity. And we're at a place now I feel like we can transition to go there, which is going to be it's going to be challenging and it's going to take time to make this shift or we're going to, as Zach talks about, we're going to make ourselves extinct. Yes. So bees are actually on the verge of extinction. They are in the process of going into extinction right now. And what's estimated is that after the bees go extinct, humans will be extinct three years later. Yeah. So body first, business second, folks, your body, the planet's body, the bodies of your children, the body of the earth, the bodies of the animals, the bodies of the plants, like 
this is what we're seeing in crisis. And again, I really do hope we're going to have Dr. Zach Bush on to talk about the microbiome and vitamin D and the coronavirus and the, yeah. the data showing that the people hit the hardest. Obviously, there are so many different layers and I, you know, and the black community is being hit in a profound way in the United States, which is obviously highlights systemic racism and some serious issues that we need to be dealing with on a on like a daily basis committed. And there's so many layers here with internalized oppression and the way that affects our health and and food deserts and it's it's so like resources. I mean, there's just like a lot of things, but I believe that this moment is here as a crossroads. That's basically like grow or die. Mm -hmm. So we'll see, you know, we'll see what happens. And it's been, and on a micro level, we can all choose grow and that's body first. And I feel like it's to notice in yourself because this has been my biggest learning in the past two years, like with my skin journey that I went on in 2018. And even now, early March, when this started hitting, my skin flared up a little bit and it's still, my lips are still flared and they hurt like a lot. And it's very painful every day. And they just flare up. It feels like they're just burning constantly. So for me, it's just lessons where I have to keep checking in to be like, how do I prevent this in a way from happening in the future like what am i not noticing before this takes place what are you not noticing before it takes place and also when it comes what is your body trying to tell you right like what's the message and i think collectively the human body is trying to tell us something like what i mean the human body i mean our collective all of our bodies put together and the way this virus is playing out, there's a big message here. Mm -hmm. And so on a micro level though, our healthcare system, what's so-called as the healthcare system would like us to believe that when we have an ailment, when we have a symptom, it's because of some outside force that is attacking us, or it is because internally there's something wrong with our system like that there's something wrong that we need to either remove or medicate Mm -hmm. and what i know to be true is that when there is something off like an ailment a symptom it is because there's a message that we need to listen to it's a harbinger or it's a messenger of maybe not a harbinger a harbinger is like of negative things to come but it could be but it's just like it's a message for us to wake up to something that we haven't been aware of because if we were aware of it and we were consciously digesting those emotions, it wouldn't have to show up as an ailment and pain to get our attention. Like we would have already dealt with it. So obviously I don't know what your lips are trying to tell you, but that's, that's the question to keep asking. All right, so we've really taken a <laughs> winding path there. I'm going to go to item number two yeah. for making your running your business easier to get better results and just to have more ease because that's a result that's worth it in and of itself is to do fewer things. So this is the do less one, my folks, my folks. <laughs> I had written originally two for this category, which is sell fewer things and do fewer projects. So What I have found is that as enthusiastic as I am and as many things as I want to do, which is literally my default is do more. My default is do more. 
And so I talk about this stuff and I write about this stuff because I am working on it every day. And what I noticed during this time, because we had two team members move on to other adventures and we had no childcare and, you know, just like things were sort of just slowing down in our neck of the woods in a way, you know, trips were canceled, workshops were canceled, you know, all that stuff. I like did not have the capacity to do more than the basics. I still don't, though things are shifting a little bit. And so my natural tendency, while I've been working on changing my natural tendency to take on too much for years, and I do better and better every single year, every single quarter even, during this time, it was like literally impossible to take on too much because I didn't have somebody else to help me to delegate it to. I just literally didn't have the hours in the day to do more things. And I didn't have, more importantly, I didn't have the energetic bandwidth to hold more than showing up for Origin, showing up for our incubator, showing up for the mastermind. Like, that's literally the only thing, right? And then following through on the things we had promised, which is basically those things. So, again, the miracle is revenue has been amazing. Business is really strong. And it's through selling fewer things and doing fewer projects. Because when we are doing too many projects, when I say yes to all my ideas, what ends up happening is all of the ideas get partial attention. They all take longer to roll out because they're competing with each other for my attention, our team resources, you know, even just down to like, you don't want to do three launches at the same time because you'll confuse your email list, right? Like that's just like a practical example. Having one thing that you're messaging at a time will get you way more traction than messaging three different things at a time because as our friend Marie Forleo says, a confused mind always says no. So from a sales perspective, if you sell fewer things, you'll make more sales because you can go all in on that one promotion. And if we do fewer projects, we actually complete projects faster with less wasted time and energy because people aren't confused on the team, right? Because they know what's happening, right? In a given week, it's like we are getting the egg wisdom necklace out or we are just doing the podcast and the origin content, like nothing new happening right now. So each team meeting during this time has become more and more simple where it's like, great, just keep doing what you're doing as opposed to like all these bells and whistles. And so it's been such a powerful reminder for me of the power of doing less because this will be a state of recovery that I'm in probably my whole life. I don't know. And I'm so delighted every time it works and it works every time, but I'm just like continually delighted by, wow, when we do fewer things, life is so much easier. Business is so much easier. Like one of the things we're not doing right now, which we talked about is traveling. It's so much easier to live and just like do our routines and get the laundry happening and like 
work out and have a tidy home and just be well rested and get things done in our business and just be together when we're not traveling because we're doing fewer things. We're just here. And so looking at how can we remove complications? What projects can we cancel or put on the back burner or delay? What programs, what offerings could you just remove from your offerings list? Like what could you stop offering so that you could reclaim that energetic bandwidth for the thing you really want to double down on? And I sat with my mastermind yesterday, the one that I'm part of, well, I'm part of two, but my peer-led one. And we talked about my schedule for the fall, like what promotions were. And it was amazing how these women reflected back to me once again. They were like, I was just saying all my plans out loud. And it was just like, oh, that's too much. Like that's too much. And so it was so helpful to be witnessed in my planning so that they could help me they didn't even really have to help me, but it was like I was able to pull through and get rid of things just while by saying it out loud during my Zoom hot seat. And so that was really powerful. So also that's the power of a mastermind. And that's why I'm part of them. And that's why I run one, because we need to be witnessed in order to break our bad habits sometimes. So that's what I have on doing fewer things. How about you, hun? Yeah, I love it. I'm a big fan of doing fewer things. Great. Yeah. I'm going to use fewer words. Okay. Awesome. So number three is repurpose rather than reinvent. So I was talking about a promotion that I was doing and somebody asked me, well, oh, I was on a podcast. This was actually so brilliant. I was on a podcast and she was asking me about my launch strategy for origin our membership, which is about growing your business while doing less. You can get on the wait list at origincollective.com. And she was asking me about our sort of launch trajectory since 2017, when we first launched in March of 2017. And she asked me the question, well, did you just reuse the launch assets that you had used the first time? And I was like, e- Yes and no, right? So what I have a tendency to do, again, this connects right back to the last one, do fewer things. What I have a tendency to do is think that with each new project or with each launch that I have to like start from scratch because this is again, the programming of your achievements only matter if they've come through hard work. And so I know I am not the only one who makes things harder than they need to be because of the unconscious programming that I am trying to prove that I am worthy of deserving financial success, joy, happiness, the different things we want. And so one of the things that I have been repatterning myself from and changing the habit of is starting from scratch with every promotion or like when we're coming up with something that somebody has says like, oh, do you have a bonus or something you could add to this? I used to say, yeah, oh, I could record this, you know, 45 minute training for you and I could do this brand new thing and I could do backflips and I could, you know, write you an original musical. (laughs) But it's like now what I have is a Google Doc that is called the master list of all the content I have ever created. And so now 
I have rewired myself so that when I need a bonus for something or when I'm looking for a thing to offer and to add value, I go to that file and I read the whole list, which is extensive because we're talking 10 years of creation here. And I look at what have I already created? Would it be possible to reposition it, repackage it, repurpose it? Because just because I created it, you know, five years ago or something, or even two years ago, and it's not fresh off the press for me, does not mean that it could not help somebody profoundly who's in a different place. Because I think that for me as a content creator, I have in the past slipped into the belief, which does not serve me, that in order for something to be valuable for somebody else, it has to be really fresh and present for me. And that's the problem with sort of feeling like you get paid to journal. You know, like that's for me, the dark side of a, of a personality-based brand where I'm like sharing my actual life. I get into this loop of thinking that in order for somebody to benefit, it has to be current. And that's super not true. I mean, I hear from people all the time taking the Money Love course, which I did the final recording of or the most recent recording of several years ago. And there it's like their minds are blown by that or a lesson in origin that I recorded three years ago. Somebody will pop up in the Facebook group and be like, oh, my God, this was the most helpful thing ever. Right. So rather than thinking you have to create something new, look at how can you repurpose or reposition or repackage something you've done in the past for this particular scenario. And this goes as far as like, for example, you know, we take quote graphics from this podcast and those become my Instagram posts. So I'm not going to like come up with a whole different Instagram strategy when we just sat here and had this conversation and there are some gems from this. So then I start the conversation about that on Instagram and those become Instagram story, you know, slides and, and all of that stuff. So those are other ways of repurposing. Some people take a podcast episode and then they break it into like three blog posts. There's a million different ways to do this, but it's more of a mindset. Like, how can I not do extra work and use something I've already done? Mm -hmm. Yes, that is Great. a good idea. Great. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> a lot of times, especially like working with clients, you know, they already know the solution to their problem or what they want to create or what they want to do. And a lot of times we make it more complicated to be like, oh, you see everybody on Instagram or Facebook or LinkedIn and YouTube and like we need to be on all these platforms. And the answer is no, you don't. You know, like you don't have to be. Pick one of your favorites and just go there, you know? So there are people that are able to do on all platforms because they have, they're not doing it most likely all themselves. They have other people that's helping them to do those type of things. And then we're, we're in a really small niche of the grand piece of the world. You know, like not everyone's on Instagram or Facebook, you know, like there was somebody who was it? like one of my friends, I was on Instagram or something. They didn't post, they haven't posted anything since... Like January of 2019. And the person's definitely not active anymore. Yeah. They're just not on there. No, one of our best friends in the neighborhood literally doesn't have social media. Yeah. So, social media is not everything, right? So, it's like to think about your business to be like, oh, I need to be on these platforms to find customers. Like, no, you don't. No, you really don't. You don't, right? Like, you have to be niche. You have to understand who your customer is 
And then the more we're clear on what that is, the easier it's going to be for them to find you. Well, and I think this is actually, you're more talking about do fewer things. Yeah. Because for example, I have a couple of clients and friends who just like social media really just doesn't do it for them. Right. And they just run their business without it. And it's amazing. Or they'll like choose Pinterest, right? Because you can set up all these amazing systems to sort of repurpose and recirculate there. And it's more of a search engine than a social media platform. Right. I mean, going back to even repurposing content, because people, I've had conversations with our friends that look at you and be like, I don't know how you produce so much stuff. And I'm like, you don't have a clue. Like Kate could produce a hundred times the amount of content that she puts out on a weekly basis. I have a lot of thoughts. It's nonstop. <laughs> you know, it's from the time she wakes up, time she goes to bed. It's, it's, it's constant. So it's the challenge for Kate is not content producing. It's to do less content producing and focus on like those very important pieces that she wants to focus on. And then it's like, how do you leverage those pieces which is what she just talked about. It's like using the quote graphics. That's why you saw in the past couple of years, the big thing's been taking like a minute, a snippet of what the podcast is about and sticking it on social media and going there. And it's just, you're just leveraging. So if content is something that's very challenging for you to come up with, that's okay. You know, it's like focus. I know when Tim Ferriss wrote, started writing the four hour, his blog, he would spend like sometimes a week or two weeks to put out a blog post. Right. And so that has not been like our, like, we don't go that depth into research for a lot of those no, things. No, it's also like a, blogs are a very book. different nature. It's a different nature. Right. So, but Tim's blogs were like 26 pages long and they're super in depth and they're like, right. But it takes two to three weeks to a month to craft that versus coming up with 10 million ideas But I'm also before sure noon. that an episode, so, so here's, so that's a great Tim Ferriss example, right? Mm-hmm. So that's very do more, but it's do more for one blog post that I bet gets him incredible yes, search engine optimization traffic and probably sells a lot of books and gets a lot of downloads for his podcast right. and results in sponsorship money. Like, right. So that's great. Yes. Two. Right. Right. Correct. That's an example of doing less of the things that don't matter so you can do more of what does matter. And that's a great segue to our number four item. And I'll do a whole list at the end. So in case you're lost, I don't know how you might possibly get lost. (laughs) But in case you have not been tracking exactly what the numbers are, I will will review them. So the number four is to have clear, powerful, specific messaging. And the reason I said that that's connected to what we were just talking about is because I, this month in May, in origin, our theme has been copywriting and I am such an evangelist. I am a copywriting evangelist because when you dial your copy in and your messaging is clear, specific and powerful, you magnetize your customers to you. So that's one of those do more things like Put more effort into your copywriting. Put more effort into your ideal customer avatar research. Put more effort into surveying your community to find out what they need. What are the words that they use? How can you message your stuff so that they know you have what they need to solve their problem? And so when that's one of those things like Tim Ferriss is, you know, puts huge effort into his blogs or used to. I don't know. Anyway, but 
like I put huge effort into copywriting because it matters. And when the copy is dialed in, when the messaging is clear, people just are like, oh my God, you're talking to me. How can you read my mind? And they just sign up. Like they just get out their credit card and they just pay you for things without you needing to do extensive sales conversations, all this, like it just, it's the do more. So do more getting clear on your messaging, do more getting clear on how do you communicate it, do more getting to know your customer so that you can do less selling, convincing, dealing with refunds, dealing with unhappy customers. Like the more you do the clear, specific, powerful messaging, the way less of so many other things you need to do or deal with. It's really, really powerful. So if you get on the Origin waitlist at origincollective.com, when we do a waitlist opening, you can get access to that copywriting lesson that I created. It's honestly, it's like a course. It's one of the best things I have ever created, this copywriting lesson. And then the Maven Masterclass that we did with Tarzan K. And then the in-depth group coaching, which you'll also have access to the um, recording of that. So go to origincollective.com, get on the wait list, because that is like 10 times the value of one month of the membership for sure, like easily. Um, what would your recommendation be to get more specific on things? Because we, we're rebranding a course right now. Talk to the people who need what you have to offer and find out what the words are that they say. So for example, I am in the process of redoing the copy for one of our offerings. And I was talking to my peer led mastermind about it. Cause I was feeling a little like stuck, like it's not really getting the traction that we thought what might be going on. And one of my friends, Sarah Jenks was like, the title is wrong. Like it's a, it's a packaging and positioning issue. She was like, I think you're talking to the wrong customer. She said, you, you wrote the copy for somebody who needs to find more space to prioritize their business. But your ideal customer is me, somebody who actually wants to find more time and space for their life. And I was like, she was like, your ideal customer is an overachiever, overworker, workaholic who needs to recover from that. And it just was like hitting myself over the head with a club. Like it was just like, oh, obviously. And so now that I have spoken with this person, I know this person intimately. I am this person. Sarah is this person. My friend Eliza is this person. Like I know a lot of these people now writing the copy is so easy because I'm literally just writing them a love letter. It's like, hey, honey, you got to cut that out. You know, like here's what's at stake. And it was one of the most fun <laughs> experiences of business sitting rewriting this sales page was so joyful because I was just like, Oh, I can so help. Like I really have something. And so that's an example where the program's already been recorded. It's beautiful. And it's proven like we did a great launch with it in the winter and it wasn't selling as well on the automated evergreen as we wanted. And so I just thought, well, let's maybe we can tweak something here. And so I'm happy to follow up with the results of these tweaks. But already I just like feel so energetically aligned with it that I know it's going to work. So you got to talk to people. You have to connect with real people and not just be in your head imagining what people might want. You have to ask them because we 
have a lot of blind spots and stuck in our own heads with our own Google Drive and like, you know, Google Docs, it can be very hard to catch a hold of the specificity that we need to attract our ideal customer. So it's really important to do calls about that to like really get in there. And I have a whole process that I shared that's actually different than how other people teach this material. That's also a lesson in origin from February. And you would get access to that also when you join, but it's not open right now. So you just have to get on the wait list. Okay. So that's clear, powerful, specific messaging. And I have number five, Mm -hmm. number five to bring it home. And then I'll wrap it up with the whole list is to automate, delegate, and eliminate. So it's really to look at tasks and anything that you don't absolutely love to do that doesn't just bring you tremendous joy and get you great results needs to be automated, delegated, or eliminated. Ideally eliminated, but if it has to be done, can it be automated? Is there some sort of software or system that can do it? For example, like going back and forth with people scheduling podcasts. A lot of people use Calendly or Acuity Scheduling or a software so you don't have to go back and forth shouting out like, well, I could do these times. Oh, I can't do those times. What about these times? Right. That eats up a lot of time. So that can be automated with a calendar automated system as an example. Delegated. Is there somebody on your team who can do it? Could you hire a VA? How can you get this off your plate? So how can you do this 10, 20, 30, 40, $50 an an hour task off your plate so you can be focused on the $100 an hour tasks, the $1,000 an hour tasks, the $10,000 an hour tasks. Because if, you know, if I'm spending my time going back and forth with people about podcast scheduling, that's like a $20 an hour task versus I could be serving one of our mastermind members That's like, you know, a several thousand dollar an hour task. So that's automate, delegate, eliminate. And of course, there's a million examples of all these things that we could give you. And and, uh, this whole episode could become five episodes or more. And perhaps it will be. So do you want to say anything about automate, delegate or eliminate? Yeah. If this is confusing for you, go back to number one and go (laughs) ask yourself. Are you in your body? Yeah. With... (laughs) I would say with your number five, like, how do I know what I need to get rid of? Because that's the big challenge. Like, what do I want to get rid of? It's like your body's telling us. So, just listen to it. I mean, yeah, or journal or whatever, you know, but it's a lot of those. Because like, how do I know? I got to get rid of this. It's like, yeah, there's, there's signs that come out. There are signs. There's also actually a very specific exercise you can do about it. And I had an article at the time of recording this, the article went live last week on Harvard Business Review. Go live. Oh, really? About this. Why didn't ex- I know this? I'm telling you now. Um, oh. <laughs> so I was asked to write a piece for them about how to know what to stop doing. And so I wrote a piece on how to know what to stop doing with an exercise. It is live on Harvard Business Review right now. And it will be linked in the show notes. So if you don't know what to automate, delegate, or eliminate, go check out that article, do the exercise, and then you will know. So I am now married to someone that's published something through Harvard. Yes. Wow. I know. My status just increased. When they asked me to write the article, I was like, it was definitely one of those moments of like, really? Do you like, are you sure you got the right person? (laughs) 
Oh, um, Indiana's no longer a part of me anymore. I am now straight up New England over here with the hard I have a little imposter syndrome. I'm really proud of the article. Um, Good job. Congrats. I was like, you know, writing it like researching labor statistics, drinking coffee, listening to classical music. And I was like, damn, I am a grown up. (laughs) So anyway, you can check out the article. All right. So in summary, here are the five ways to make running your business easier and quite possibly and quite likely increase your results. Number one, body first, business second. Number two, do fewer things. Number three, repurpose rather than reinvent. Number four, hone in on your clear, powerful, specific messaging. And number five, automate, delegate, and eliminate. Thank you so much for listening to the Kate and Mike show. I can't wait to hear what you implement from this episode and how it makes running your business easier. So please report back. Send me a DM at Kate Northrup. Send Mike a DM at Mike J. Watts, although he hasn't been on Instagram a lot lately. So I'm a better bet. (laughs) Um, I'll answer it eventually. He'll answer it someday. I will answer it on weekdays. (laughs) And I've been taking Instagram off my phone on the weekends and it's refreshing. So yeah, thanks for listening in. And this, of course, applies during Corona times and anytime. And I will just say, like, these are lessons that we have learned largely the hard way. And we are continuing to work on this right alongside you. And I am so excited to tell you it really does work. Doing less really does work. So get out there. Do less. Have a beautiful week. And of course, if you have questions or ideas for future episodes, we are always open to that. You can just DM me at Kate Northrup. And of course, subscribe. Share the episode if you're loving this and leave a review. All those things will help more people relax, do less, and have more. Talk to you soon. Bye. Do you identify as an overachiever, overfunctioner, or a workaholic? I have something for you. There is a very simple, remarkably quick, weekly planning ritual that will unhook you from the habitual patterns of overdoing without sacrificing your results. So if you want to feel more relaxed and still get amazing results, then head over to katenorthrup.com forward slash list for your free do less weekly planning ritual guide. katenorthrup.com forward slash list.